Welcome to Dentistry Uncut, the stuff you wish you knew. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in the world. Thank you for joining us here on Dentistry Uncut. Uh, Isaiah and I are joined today uh, by a very interesting woman and, and professional, Grace Rizzo. Uh, Grace is the owner of Identity Dental Marketing. Uh, she also is uh, has her own podcast. Uh, she's an international speaker. Grace, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. Yeah. Well, we're super excited to have you as a guest. So for those folks that um, haven't heard you speak or maybe you haven't worked with, why don't you share a little bit about yourself, if you would, and then um, a little bit about your your company. All right, great, thanks. Um, I'm Grace Rizza, uh, founder, owner of Identity Dental Marketing. We started, I started the business in 2009 as a response to a need. I worked for a dentist and um, I was in charge of our marketing. And so I had 10 different vendors about um, doing different things for us and nothing looked cohesive, consistent. A lot of things weren't working. We had long-term contracts with expensive things that weren't working. And so I, I kind of came into that practice and cleaned up the marketing and refocused the message. And at the same time, just fell in love with dentistry and had this idea at the ripe age of 24 that I was going to solve the problem of really poor branding and, and poor marketing in the dental profession. And so that's been my my mission ever since. So, yeah, it's been fun. So, it, it, since 2009, you tell tell me a little bit about what you've seen with regard to challenges in in dental private practice with regard to marketing. Absolutely. A lot has changed since 2009. Um, when I started, people just heard the word marketing and they would just cringe. It was just it was legal at that point, because it was illegal prior to that, but it was legal at that point, but they were still very, you know, against it because in dentistry, if you do good work, that's supposed to be it. You know, you, you hang your name on your two inch little plaque and, and you hope for the patients to come in. And that was the reality. And so I got to work and live in an exciting time in dentistry where not only did marketing become accept, ex acceptable, but it became uh, in demand too. And so I watched all of these other like marketing companies just sprout up everywhere and with a dental focus. And I was like, whoa, this is amazing. I went from being like one of a couple to like one of a gajillion if we're talking in, you know, actual numbers for Isaiah. But it, I have seen this evolution and it's exciting because when I post about branding, sure, there's almost no education, which I'm looking to solve that next, but there's almost no education for dentists in marketing and business development. And there's a lot of misconceptions and there is a lot of, um, I'll say the blind leading the blind. Like I, I posted a question yesterday, like how often should you update your logo? And I can't even tell you how many people said, never. It's timeless, you know? And I'm like, Meh, where'd you get that information? Like, you know, so, so a lot of times dentists, because they are so well-educated and so smart in their field, they think that, that everything else is just kind of, 
your opinion. But I'm like, no, there's this is actually a, a field of study. Like there's there's there are experts in this in this area too. Um, and so it's it's been fun to see. They say their dental IQ. I'm going to kind of flip that and say it's been fun to see the dentist's marketing IQ gradually improve throughout the years. So you talked a little bit about branding, and I think when it comes to to dentistry, and you you are as a consumer looking for someone to go and, and choose to be that dentist, like you want to have that relationship. And again, for me, knock on wood, a lot of my relationship has been with the, the hygiene at the uh, the practice that I go to because I haven't needed any major major work, but you still want to have and understand who that person is. And it's great to have a website that looks nice with some updated photos and stuff. But I think it's really interesting, especially in today's day and age with social media and some of the other pieces of how to actually build that brand and connect with people. Because while it might not seem really exciting to talk about dentistry, I think the human connection is still super important. Can you talk a little bit about the opportunity set, especially when you are in a competitive situation where, hey, you're in a, a hot area, let's say, and there's a lot of options, like how do you stand out from the corporate offerings to the other private practice owners and be different? I think it's important, just like with dentistry, you know, they don't see each patient and say, you're going to need a root canal, post core and crown on tooth number two. They don't give the same treatment plan to every patient. It's the same thing with marketing. You really have to look at the person, the leader of the business or leaders of the business, you have to evaluate their strengths and weaknesses. So I'd love to say, yes, everyone should have video, but in reality, not everyone should have video. There are some doctors that should not be on video and we've got to think of other ways to present their best qualities that are, that are true to who they are for the world to see. So a lot of what I do is um, before I'll work with anyone, I take the time to really evaluate what are your key differentiators? What is your unique selling proposition? How do you want to be known in your community with your patients? And is that true to who you are? So I ask some difficult questions up front and I, I really get people looking inside to, to define who they are before we start matching up the actual strategies. Would you say, Grace, that uh, one of those strategies you mentioned video is becoming, I mean, it, it, I noticed in the, 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 the pandemic that we're gladly coming out of, um, but video has become more and more relevant. Um, would you say that most of your clients are using that platform as a way to communicate with uh, potential patients and existing patients? I wish, but no. Most are not. Most dentists are very uncomfortable on video. I will recommend um, weekly, even live content so that they can connect with their community. And I would say I have one out of a hundred actually do it. And so we have a professional videographer and we'll go out and we'll help prompt them to get that natural professional conversation on camera and then we'll be able to leverage that. So again, like, yes, for some of them, but the vast majority are studious, educated, technical people and not always very comfortable. And they're also uncomfortable making the time for it. Like I could do it, but I'm just too busy. It's like they want to do it, but they never actually get to it. And then when they do, that perfectionism kicks in 
and it's not good enough to go live. And so a big part of, of being successful in video with Dennis is pushing them past that point of um, that perfectionism block. You, you mentioned something that I think is really interesting um, from the standpoint of the timing, right? And I think there's a lot of dentists out there that are like, oh, I'm really busy. I don't need to market. And I would love to hear your thoughts around that because I have my own personal view on that. But I would love to hear um, from someone that is working in the space. And then the other comment would be don't let, you know, good get in the way of great. Or maybe I made that in the wrong way. I'm trying to remember this saying all of a sudden I'm spacing it, but I think being authentic is huge. And they don't realize that, that the, the people, the influencers, the brands, the things that they follow, the individuals, people connect to in, imperfection. Like it doesn't have to be super polished. It could be a cell phone video that they chat on that could be really impactful. But, yeah, but that's uh, appalling to some dentists, like yeah. cell phone video, no way. Like I have one right now that just, he's going to do a video testimonial for us, but he's like, I'm going to hire a crew to come out first. I'm like, you could just take go. Like, it's fine. My, my quote is always, it's better done than perfect. And I live by that. So yeah, I agree completely. Um, what was your question? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I basically then, and then buried the question, but it was, if you're busy enough. So if I'm a dentist wow. and I'm busy right now, why should I continue to think about marketing? Because the average marketing spend is kind of like what that 2% number is always the number that floats around. I feel like in the industry. So some probably don't even spend that, but, um, you know, why market if you're already so busy? Yeah. I've heard 4% a lot. I think too, if they're really established, this is okay. Um, it's all about what you need. Kind of going back to that individuality thing. If someone comes to me and they're like, I don't have anywhere to put a new patient. I actually had this conversation yesterday with the client. I don't have anywhere to put a new patient. We are so busy, but we just did this huge build out. We have this new beautiful office and our website doesn't match who we are and what we do. So we want a new website, but we don't necessarily want it for new patients. I'm like, but you have this new space. Like eventually you'd probably want to bring in another associate. And like, you are going to want to grow eventually in one way or the other. So let's still gear it towards growth. Um, but I don't necessarily, I'm not of the thought that if you're so busy, you don't have anywhere to put new patients that you sh should still be putting a ton of money into like ad spend and your presence. I think there are some things you can do to keep your reputation up and to, you know, be building positive reviews and maintain your rankings on Google. Like once you get to the top on Google, you don't want to just, oh, we're busy, let's cancel. And then you drop and then you've got to climb your way back to the top. You want to, you know, maintain so there's that. There's one other way that I look at busyness. Um, sometimes you can be more specific in your marketing. So if you are busy with new patients, are you busy with implant patients? Are you busy with Invisalign patients? Let's look at how we can target and put some of your, uh, let's say, profits back into bringing in bigger, more profitable cases to round out your busyness and achieve higher profitability with the time that you have. So there's always a marketing solution to a problem, even if your problem is busyness. That makes a lot of sense. You mentioned reputation and, and reputation management. And one of the things that your organization, I think, does that's different than a lot of what I've seen out there <clears throat> is uh, what you would consider ethical SEO. 
um, I find it very interesting the way that, that uh, you you deliver that. So if you wouldn't mind, would you, would you share uh, your stance on SEO and what, what makes uh, one presentation non-ethical versus, versus your approach? I started calling our SEO ethical SEO because I got really sick of people calling me saying, well, I've been paying for SEO for two years, but, and then I go to search for them by some main keywords and I can't find them on page one anywhere or anywhere near top three. And it started getting really frustrating to me as I saw, you know, certain companies, a lot of companies selling SEO, but really they're just selling air. It it is frustrating to me to see that. So I started calling it ethical SEO kind of for twofold. Um, The first is that we're actually going to do work and show you progress in your actual physical rankings. And I don't consider an SEO campaign successful until you're in the top three for a main keyword. So not page one, not top of page two. I'm sure progress is great as you're building your way up to top three, but it's not a success until you're in the top three. Um, So that's the first piece is that we're actually doing the work to get people to the top. The second piece of that is we're not doing anything shady. So we're not outsourcing link building to another country for the cheapest price And eventually Google could detect that and penalize all of our websites and we would lose our business. So like, I don't take risks like that. I've built all of our SEO processes internally. And so it's very structured, it's tested and it's effective. And so again, I think it kind of goes back to that. um, Anyone could sell SEO and not really know what they're doing um, and know one thing like, oh, unique content is good for SEO. So I'm going to sell just unique content. It's like, no, that's a sliver of the big picture of SEO. And so, yeah, ethical, it it means you're going to work for the, we're going to work for the client, but also means we're not going to upset Google. We're not going to do anything that is going to hurt you in the long term of, of your history of your website. So I'm a private dental practice owner. Why is SEO important to me? Maybe I mean, obviously, not- I want to be. I want to be. If I'm Google searching, if I've got Isaiah and and he's a prospective patient, right? And and I say I I want to show up first because I I live uh, or I, my practice is ten minutes away from Isaiah's home, and he's going to do a Google search. Obviously, I want to be the first there, right? But why else is it important? So. It's important for a lot of reasons. We look at what are the main search terms? How are people going to find you? How's your ideal patient going to find you? It might be dentist near me. It might be best dentist near me. I have some clients who are strictly fee for service. They don't want quantity. They want quality. And we're very specific with their keyword strategy. So, and and then I have some clients who there's only three dentists in the town. Of course, they're top three. They don't really need SEO. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, yes, you've got to always be investing in this. Um, But I do say, hey, listen, your area looks very enticing to a DSO. You should invest in this at least a little something on an ongoing basis so that it's not super easy for me to just move into town and outrank you. So I still like to give people a solid foundation and a solid footprint, even when they're in a low competition market. But of course, when you're in a high competition market, SEO has, when it's when you're in the top three, it usually takes us about six months to get there in most competitive markets. Um, but once you're there, it's usually got the lowest new patient acquisition cost. So I'm always 
challenging my clients to say, okay, great. Your mailer you've been doing for 20 years is still working for you. But what is your new patient acquisition cost? And if they're like, there's a usually a long pause. They're not looking at the numbers. And they say, well, we got about three last month. And I'm like, well, what did you spend in that? And they're like, you know, three grand. I'm like, okay, so your new patient acquisition cost is $1,000. And digitally on Google ads, I can tell you, your new patient acquisition cost is going to be around 200. And with SEO, your new patient acquisition cost is going to be under 100. And in a lot of cases, once we get in the top three, under 50. So when you look at the numbers, it becomes a sorry for lack of a better word, it becomes a no brainer that you want to be on top of Google because it's a cost effective way to bring in quality new patients. Tell me about how website and SEO are married together and how they, they feed off of each other. Yeah, you took my word on that. I was going to say they're married. But, oh. <laughs> um, yeah, the, SEO starts when you design a website, not even when you code it, when you design it. So if the page is designed to be super sleek and it's got this big video in the header, but there's no words on the homepage, Google bots aren't going to be able to crawl it the way that they would be able to crawl somebody else's website. And so it could completely stunt your progress. We have a whole ridiculous checklist of things that we integrate into the design that gives our clients a leg up on their SEO. Everything from domain name selection to microdata implementation. That's just a fancy way of saying we put code on the site that tells Google where you're physically located and that you're a dentist. So it's it's a language called schema and just a way that we code certain aspects of the site. So anything from metadata, microdata, word count, keywords, numbers of pages, amount of content, um, even I could go into great detail here. I'm a huge nerd, but there's a lot that goes into building a website so that it is rankable. Tell me about blogging, right? So, so I hear that blogging is ever important with regard to making sure that you stay at the top of your game with regard to SEO and, and keywords and keywords that are in your maybe a blog post and how they tie back into the website, et cetera. That's something that I've often tried to wrap my head around, but if I'm going to be honest, I don't completely understand. So in the last, I don't know, 13 years that I've been doing dental marketing, um, dentists have every intention of like managing their own blog and then they just don't have the time to do it. Right. So it is important because it's showing Google that there's new content and you're building up the number of pages on your site. And so if we're blogging about different dental related topics every month, it's less about your patients logging on every month to read your blog. Like they don't really do that. It's more about building content so that Google is seeing your site as a relevant search result for a myriad of different keywords. So once we establish ranking for the top keywords, we want to continue and expand your rankings for, you know, all different search terms, what we call long tail search terms. Long tail? Long tail. That's the name. I like it. That's, that's our jargon. <laughs> so outside of SEO and obviously website design, right? 
What are some of the other areas that you would traditionally help a dental practice maybe take their take the the next step? So my company ev- evolves. Sure. Yeah, my company evolves to what is most effective right now. So at a certain point in time, we did more with mailers. We do less with mailers now just because of the ROI, but we are a full service agency. So if I go into a city and for some reason mailers is what's best for them, that's what I'm going to recommend. So um, it's not that I'm just pushing any one service on, on a client. It's more about assessing in their individual situation what's going to be best. So that's the long answer. The short answer is uh, we're mostly we mostly do digital right now in 2021. So we're doing um, SEO, Google ads with retargeting display ads, landing pages, really building those up to fully utilize the Google platform. So I see a lot of people dabbling in Google ads and just wasting a ton of money. It's very frustrating. Um, And then we do a lot with social media marketing too, both organic custom design content that really enhances a brand and um, paid ads. So we'll run video ads and things. just like you would have on, you would have run a TV or radio ad ten years ago. That's kind of morphed into social media advertising. So that's that's I would say that our three main services are SEO, um, Google Ads, and then social media marketing. So Facebook advertising versus Google advertising, both equal, one better than another for a demo practice. This depends. Totally depends. Totally depends. So let's say, for instance, you want to market and bring in more um, sleep apnea patients. People that have sleep apnea aren't necessarily going to Google yet to search for a dentist. And the dentists haven't built up their sleep center brands yet. We're just starting to to do that for people. We've been doing that for a long time, but they're just starting to realize the value in that. So you don't have as much um, return on investment if you don't educate the patient first. So whenever you need education to lead in, in the sales process, you need video content. So for something that has kind of a learning curve up front, like sleep apnea, I would market that with video content on social media. So it really depends on the goals of the practice. Um, but if we're just talking general new patients, Google Ads still has a lower new patient acquisition cost than Facebook. But there are some very loud um, Facebook sellers and some some Facebook marketers that are very excited about their businesses. And they're actually, you know, um, paying dentists to talk about these experiences, which I think there's a conflict of, uh, there's some problems with integrity there. But what they're not sharing is what is the low cost offer? What's the carrot that you're dangling for these new patients? And a lot of times they're giving away $75 gift card to Amazon if you come into our practice as a new patient. They're literally paying people to come into their practice. And it's like, what, what is that doing to your brand in the long term? And is that really the type of patient you want to be bringing in? So social media is great when you're building your brand, building your reputation, connecting to the community. When you're looking for your lowest cost, new patient acquisition, advertising, I, I would say Google first and then, and then Facebook or Grace, Instagram, whatever. Yeah. Sorry. No, Grace, I want to 
play a little scenario out and I want to hear from you if you were if you were a dentist and we can do this as either you can either be a startup that is coming in and trying to to make a name for themselves in a metro area like you're not one of maybe two or three right yeah. or taking an existing practice and moving away from let's say some of the Medicaid and trying to move to fee for service how would you walk through and think about that marketing plan and again you can customize this to you but just like how would you build that out if, if you had the funds to do it? And then how would you roll that out? And okay, so I know there's a lot of assumptions scenario. there. Give me one scenario first, and then I'm let's, happy to talk about the other one. Let's do, let's do a startup. Let's do startup. Let's just do startup. You're going to do a startup. You have the ability and the funds to do it. Um, how would you go about saying, okay, announcing who you are, who you're trying to attract and build out that patient base? Okay. My biggest advice for a startup is do not drop your entire marketing budget on your setup of your campaigns or you will have no ad spend and no new patients. So I don't care how fancy you want your website to be or how many pictures of your build out you want. Do not spend your entire budget on the setup. There are marketers out there who will say, we're going to build you the best website. That's great. It doesn't need to be 30 grand. We're going to do your video and photography stuff. If you have no money for the exposure, it doesn't do anything for you. So the biggest mistake I see right now is startups going into this like, I have this money, let's spend it because I'm supposed to spend it on marketing and then it's gone. So they really need to think about that first year. What's my budget in that first year and how am I going to get the most out of that money? So try to save, but don't skip important things. So too many of them pick a logo based on what they like personally, and they're not actually thinking about um, what branding is or what it needs to accomplish in the long term. So they usually skip the branding process so much so that I am literally giving it away for free for startups because I know all of my future marketing for them is going to be more successful if they don't skip the branding process but I know they're not going to pay for it. So, you know, it's, it's such a, it's such a problem that they don't value it or understand the importance of it. I get a lot of my sister-in-law did it for me, or I have a friend who's kind of a designer, but they don't know dentistry. So I see like the tooth logo again and again and again, and I'm like, come on, it's, it's making you look generic. So for the startup, I actually have a startup package where we do business name if they need it tagline, logo, website, SEO setup, because they need to claim and optimize all of their local listings and have a really strong digital footprint to start. And then we also build out some ads for them so that when they're ready to open their doors, they actually have a presence. Um, so that's usually how I approach a startup that's in an area of any level of competition. Um, and then do you want me to talk on the established practice? Go for it. Just keep Please, keep rolling. Yeah. yeah, let's hear it. Keep, keep rambling. I got a quick question okay. though. I got a quick question on the yeah. new. Talk to me about budgetary numbers. Like, so if I'm as I'm going through this planning process, right? So it's someone might be working with Isaiah and they say, "Listen, I'm an, I've been an associate for so long. I'm ready to go out and do this, but I want to make sure I have enough money allocated to specific areas of my business." What is a good budgetary number? And I know it's going to be different for, for maybe different areas. But yeah, I was going to say, if I'm in California or if I'm in India, yeah. it's going to be very different. It is going to be very different. Most markets, let's say a suburban market um, with moderate to high competition, 
we're not saying Manhattan, we're not saying LA, we're saying like most suburban markets. Um, the new patient acquisition cost before you get to the top three, because remember that's going to take time, um, is going to be around $200 for a new patient. So the more money you save in your setup process, the more you can put towards actually getting new patients in the door. That number varies significantly based on the offer. Are you in network? You know, are you in the community and do you have referral relationships already built up or is this a cold start? So what happens when I talk to a new practice owner that's doing a startup and they've already talked to, let's say, three other marketing companies, they talk to me and I'm basically like sharpening this big, big pin to pop this balloon of like optimism because I'm like, it's going to cost $200 for a new patient. And you can hear like the wind come out of them because they've (laughs) never had these discussions before. So I'm like, I'm just going to warn you, like I'm the bearer of bad news, but I would rather them have those numbers. I'm like, go back to the other three marketing companies and ask them for their numbers. What do they expect? And they usually can't, they usually won't. They don't have that information. Like they're just trying to sell stuff. So, yeah, it's it, financially, you, you have to be ready for that new patient acquisition cost. And, and nobody is. Company lies typically? or hard truth. I think that's the, it's just like, hey, this is right. what the numbers show you. And I can, I can make it seem nice um, by, by filling you up and say, hey, this is all going to work out great. Or we can say, hey, this is really what life's going to look like in the cost. And hey, you know, you do good work clinically, you're going to retain these patients, they're going to refer family and friends. It's not a bad number um, for them to do that $200. That's great. But it is reality. So I think that's fantastic. And I think that speaks volumes. When you think about marketing, how you market your business is the same way that they should be thinking about how they market their business. Like just be very straightforward with patients. People respect that In in a world of, um, avoidance of hard conversations. Sometimes as a dentist, if you can have a hard conversation with a patient and be very clear, yes, someone else might twist it and, and say something different and maybe they get that person. But for most patients, they're going to respect you for that. So that's, that's where you get longevity. So we don't have any contracts with anyone. Everyone we serve is on a month to month basis with us. So if I just only paint this beautiful picture of you're going to have the best website ever and so many patients are going to love it and come, you know, they're going to be, you're going to need a call center to handle all these new patients. Like if, if I pitch it that way with no contract, I don't, I don't have a business, you know? So it's all about being honest and having, you know, fair expectations for people. I think being realistic is super important, right? You'd love to, set the uh, goals incredibly high, but I think being realistic is important. So talk to me about an acquisition, right? So maybe not a startup, but I'm acquiring uh, or I'm transitioning with um, a senior dentist. And so I'm buying uh, not only the the goodwill that goes along with that, but I'm also buying some of the branding, right? So, but I've got my own ideas for branding. How that's a, that's, um, that's a dance. I'm sure. What's your opinion on that? I'm going to throw someone right under the bus right now, but I'm not going to say their name. So I just, as long as it's not Isaiah or I, it is neither of you. (laughs) So I just had a client sell his practice and told us to cancel everything immediately. So we're talking like website has some history. We, 
it's ranking pretty well. There's a new patient flow that's coming from the work that's been done. And they say, just take down the website. I sold my practice. So take down our website. And I'm like, that's usually property of the new owner. Like they usually acquire the website with the practice. So I just personally called the new owner and I was like, Hey, like, this is what I was told to do, but this is really weird. Like, this is usually not how it goes. So I'm still waiting for a callback on that, but I'm not, I'm like, I'm not trying to sell you anything right now, but like, do you want no website? Like, and, and the office manager answered, she said, he is so busy. So it happened is a two, two provider practice sold to a single doc. So a single doc is right now doing the dentistry clinically of two providers. And so it's just, he doesn't have time to, to probably use the washroom. So, um, I'm like, well, I'm just going to keep it running until you call me back because that's that's a bold move to just wipe your online presence. From a from a um, marketing standpoint, that makes sense to keep everything consistent. But what if you have these ideas of your own branding, right? You mentioned yeah. earlier in our conversation, um, branding and logo design and those things that really help you in the long term uh, market a practice better. Yeah. Is there, do you recommend a specific amount of time to, I guess, uh, let the transition soak in for a better lack I'm, of words? I'm realizing in this podcast, how many difficult conversations I've had in the past week. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I just had another client who did not want to change the business name, but it was named in the previous owner doc's name. And in most states, you only have a year with that name before you legally have to change it. And she was like, no, but I bought the DBA. And I'm like, no, but like, you just just look into the law, like just in case, like just take a look at it. Like you you probably can't do that. Um, but there's a process. And again, I, I know this is, a, it sounds like a cop out, but it's not. But my answer is always, it depends. So let's say the person that's selling the practice has an excellent reputation. They're staying on for six months to a year to transition. They'll be in part-time. You may not rip it all down. But let's say the selling doctor is is under litigation with several patients and fleeing the country. Like this stuff happens. You're going to probably want to rebrand immediately and and do some a proactive, um, you know, public relations to build up your your reputation. And I've seen that and everything in between in terms of transitions. So typically, we have a transition process where. We, I, we communicate with the patients about the new owners. Those letters are usually terrible, not from you guys. You guys probably help clients in such a much better way than what I'm used to seeing. But usually I see these transition letters, right, Nate? And they're like, Dr. Smith, you know, is retiring. And this is everything Dr. Smith has accomplished in his career. He's left <laughs> such an amazing legacy. Oh, and by the way, there's a new doctor if you maybe want to meet him. Yes. Yeah. There, I've seen some like that, Grace. <laughs> they're they're horrible for the new owner. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, in many situations, uh, patients don't necessarily care about all of your accomplishments, but they want to know maybe about what your plan is to engage in the community and and become a part of the team. And um, yeah, those are those are typically the more heartfelt letters as opposed to kind of like the accolades. They want to know who's the new doctor. Yeah. Do I need to find a new dentist or not? That's what they want to know. And yeah. sometimes those letters have them going right to Google, like new dentist in my town or whatever. 
So you want to retain as many of those patients as possible. In most cases, you want retention. And so we start with what marketing plan is going to support retention. And then we look at how many more new patients a month do you need um, compared to what is already the organic mm-hmm. growth in the practice. And that yeah. number is key for me. So if they only need five more new month, five more new patients a month, that's a much smaller marketing program than if, well, now we have two doctors, we used to have one, we need to double our new patient flow like yesterday. Okay, here's a program for you. So it, it always starts with what's your, you know, specific goal. Well, Grace, uh, I don't know if everyone realizes, obviously, you're you're quite the uh, marketing executive, but you're also you have a unique talent for public speaking. Uh, most would say that that's one of the most terrifying things uh, that they could ever experience in life. What is it about public speaking that you find so exciting? Well, I just want to say I used to black out. Like, <laughs> I, would, I would speak and then I'd be done. This is like my first year of public speaking. And I would, I would run up to my husband and be like, how did it go? And he was like, he would tell me everything I did wrong. And like, what, what do you I mean? mean? And I was like, no, you're just supposed to say good. Like, you're just supposed to say you did really good. So he stopped coming to my presentations, but I I stopped blacking out. And now I, I've learned that if I'm having fun, that everyone else is going to be having fun and that that is the most important thing. So I, I love telling real stories. I don't put names behind my stories, but I've got so many just hilarious marketing stories. So, yeah, that's I think that's the key is to just if you can, if it's your brand, have fun with it. That's good advice. So tell us uh, when what's where can we find you next on the speaking circuit? So I have um, in 2022 Chicago Midwinter and um, the Hinman meeting. And I am also launching the Dental Marketing Academy. So I'm going to be taking all of the information, all of the specifics on branding and digital marketing and internal marketing and packaging it up for people who want to support their doctor or for doctors who want to learn enough to make smart marketing decisions and and making that um, affordable and available to the dental community. So, Well, congratulations on that. That's exciting. So is that kind of like a a do-it-yourself kit, and then if they need additional support, you and your organization are there to step in and help them maybe move the ball further down the court? For the things that they should do themselves, yes. For the things that they shouldn't, it's more about what questions to ask, how to retain ownership, how to protect yourself. I have a list of, oh my goodness, probably a hundred courses that we're working through Um, formal presentations for with quizzes, with pass or fail grades. Um, You know, it's, it's going to be very informative. And what I'm seeing is even though I was marketing director in 2008, it is now just becoming a position in dentistry. So there are a lot of people that they do hygiene three days or they do, you know, dental assisting three days or front office. And then one day they do marketing, but they don't know what they're supposed to be doing. So it's really good for those people too. Awesome. Absolutely. One last question from me. So I always like to ask this to anyone that is a fan of marketing of just kind of who you looked at, whether it's brands or people. And I know right now there, there's a lot of 
I don't necessarily want to use the, I guess I'll use the term influencer, but just who does a great job from a branding or marketing perspective that you look at and say, mm, I really love the way they do things. And it, and it has to be non-dental, but I don't think there's that many like, you know, amazing dental um, brands out there that, that would steal the spotlight. But anyone that's out there from any industry that you think of that you look at marketing and say, yep, they got it right. Okay. So it's not marketing. Surprisingly, I can't stand most marketing people because I feel like they're very much like do more, work harder, like be everything. And I am kind of repulsed by that now because I I think um, quality of life and balance matter. So I can't name anyone I used to follow because I'm no longer um, impressed. But I will say from a, I I read a lot of business books and I would, I would prefer to point in that direction because it's really, these books are really well written and well thought out. I love Brian Tracy's stuff. I think he's a genius. And Gina Wickman, I think is a genius. So traction, um, the the business EOS operating systems, like uh, huge systems nerd. Um, From a marketing perspective, I read and watch and follow, but I think I think the authenticity is missing, and I think it's all about do more, be more, you know. And and I'm just, it's not always this solution. I'm more about an individualized approach. So I, I don't have a name for you, but um, I do have those two: Brian Tracy and Gino Wickman. I think are amazing. Yep. Oh, the- also, the book Extreme Ownership. I think if you're a business owner and you haven't at least gotten the concept of extreme ownership that that you have to like it's and that's Jocko Wilnick right mm-hmm. okay yeah basically like everything goes bad you say good and you own your shit and you keep moving forward because you're it's the owner your yeah that's it it's you all your fault with it. Everything. Yeah. yeah you can only point it. fingers toward yourself it is yep. all your fault and you shouldn't expect people that don't have equity ownership in your practice to work harder than you if you're not going to no. do it then then you shouldn't expect them just because you have a DDS after your name congrats wonderful. Um, keep, you know, you have to keep setting the, the culture and the expectations. And if you don't set that right, um, I think that's a great book. Gino, I'm familiar with the other one. I'm not, I'll have to go back through. Oh, he's like old school sales. Okay. Okay. Um, like it. And I, and I love him. Perfect. Good recommendations. Thank you. Thank you. At this point in our podcast, which by the way, we do use the old school tooth and our, I, I made note of that Isaiah and dentistry uncut. I thought, Oh no. Grace, oh, no, that's looking okay. at our logo. The dentists love it. The dentists love it. No, you're good with that. We like to offer you an opportunity to ask us a question if you have anything top of mind. If not, it's no problem. Oh, my turn? Yeah, you can ask anything. If you want to dig into Nate's history, um, this no, is always the spot. This it's, is a it's great really... time to ask Isaiah questions. I was like, when you asked that, I was like, are we live? Like, who's submitting questions? Yeah, then, uh, the user like, user poll is saying uh, this is the question. Yeah, that's what I thought you were doing. I was like, First time caller, long time listener. Um, so, yeah, I would love to know in your experience, what, what are – some of the marketing challenges that you see people face and um, like what is a common marketing issue that you come across with people, whether it's related to like the financial side or even just they're having a hard time with X, Y, Z. Like what are some of the common things that you hear? Even complaints. I think um, it's a broad question. So I think in general, um, 
dental practices struggle with me too. Um, and so much of, let's just call it the way that they communicate with people, whether it be their websites, whether it be their uh, Facebook page. Um, and quite frankly, most are probably a little deficient in operating with Google ads. So I think that that's uh, one of the great reasons why um, we wanted to bring someone on as dynamic as yourself to be able to share how important that is. So I think, th- you know, social media um, is is a struggle for a lot of practices because everyone seems to be marketing the same. You mentioned direct marketing, mailers and things of like that nature. I still think that those are actually quite common. And so understanding what you're getting for the dollars that you're spending and understanding that maybe donating toothbrushes, while it's a great cause, and I think it's something that you should still do to engage with your, your local schools and things, just having a good idea for what to spend your marketing dollars on, right? So if you're going to have a budget, if it's going to be between that 2 and that 5% range of your overall um of your overall, you know, business income, then how do you spend it and how do you get the most bang for your buck? I don't necessarily think that there's a ton of good advice out there when it comes to that. And so there's a lot of money being spent without a true delivery on the goods, right? How do you get butts in seats? How do you grow new patients? If your front door's open, that's great, right? If you can get new people in, that's great. But you also got to keep your back door closed. You can't have them walking in and then and then one visit and then being gone. So I think that's probably the biggest struggle. And I think that's because of having to wear so many hats in practice. Um, if, if I'm a private practice owner, I'm so busy doing clinical work and running with my team and taking care of all the business stuff that at the end of the week, after 40 plus hours, I'm exhausted. Right. So I think delegation is probably the number one challenge that I see in in dentistry. Right. And private practice is knowing, hey, you know what? I can find someone like Grace and her team um, or I can find someone from, um, you know, an internal practice management uh, like what we can offer at Cloverleaf or, hey, I'm not the best at my financial planning. Right. And then they can use someone like Isaiah and his team just understanding where to delegate and not trying to do it all. Yeah. That's great advice. The only other thing I would add is, and I think Nate hit on the head and I almost wanted to say bingo when he said it, it was just, they spend a lot of money on stuff and they have no idea what there is any sort of return or what it's actually doing. Like, it's great that you're spending money. you're, You're paying somebody to do marketing, but where does it go? And there's just no thought process behind the, the why you're doing certain things. It's like, Oh, I think I'm supposed to do this because my friend told me or a study club, we talked about this and they're doing that and they're having success. So I'm going to do the same thing. It's like, well, again, and I, I appreciate, and I'm going to go back to something you said earlier, Grace, which was, it depends. Um, I think in financial planning, I say that all the time and it irks people, but I'm like, well, it's, if you're the same as everyone else, then I can give you an answer, but it's really difficult because it's not that way at all. It is, it is challenging. So it does depend and I think ha- it starts with a real conversation of people being transparent. And that's one thing that um, I really appreciate about this conversation is y- you you being able to, to say, hey, this is kind of the way we look at it. So thank you. And I appreciate the question. It's a great one. I'm going to close it out. Grace, where would you uh, where would you send people if they are looking to connect? Where's the best place for them to reach out? 
So if you're on Facebook, I've got a Facebook group, Dentistry's Growing with Grace, or you could visit our website, identitydental.com. Perfect. We will link to all that in the show notes and uh, take care. Thank you, Grace. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Dentistry Uncut. If you didn't know, now you know. Thank you for listening to today's show. The comments on today's show should not be taken as investment, tax, or legal advice. All comments are for educational purposes only. You should talk to your professional team before implementing anything. Isaiah Douglas is a partner of Vincere Wealth Management and is also a registered investment advisor. Nathan Courtney is a practice transition consultant with Legacy Practice Transitions and a dental business advisor with Cloverleaf Advisory Group, where he's also an owner. The biggest compliment you can give is to share our podcast with a friend. Your reviews will help our listening audience grow. Apple Podcast is the primary platform for our listeners. If you have a few minutes and you love the show, please head over to Apple Podcast and give us an honest review and rating. For all of today's links and show information, head over to www.dentistryuncut.com. Again, that's www.dentistryuncut.com. There, you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast platform, so you won't miss out on the next episode. Thanks for listening.